V-Word listeners, Bethany Bonilla here. I am a producer for the V-Word. For this week's episode, we are switching things up a bit in celebration of the first ever National Period Day. So mark your calendars because this Saturday, October 19th is National Period Day. So rallies are taking place in all 50 states. They are organized by the one and only Period, the largest youth-run NGO in women's health. The goal of National Period Day is to elevate the issue of period poverty and to demand real change to making period products more accessible for all, and of course, to end the tampon tax. You might be thinking, hold on, what is period poverty and what is this whole tampon tax? Well, we are going to break all of that down for you in this week's episode. You will hear from the founder of Period, Nadia Okamoto. Nadia grew up in Portland and is currently a senior at Harvard. She is the founder and executive director of Period, which she founded at age 16. She recently published her debut book, Period Power, a manifesto for the menstrual movement. Now, I got to tell you, this interview took place earlier this year, so unfortunately, we didn't get to chat with her too much about the upcoming rallies, although Nadia does hint to it. However, she does break down period poverty and shares the story behind her organization. We also discuss why periods are a crucial issue when it comes to gender equality, how you can get involved, and tips for talking about periods with your own community. So sit back and enjoy our interview with Nadia Okamoto. Um, one, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. But uh, like I said, we want this episode to focus on menstrual hygiene. And I think if we can first start by talking, you are the co-founder of Period. Yeah, so I'm Nadia Komodo. I'm 21 years old. I just turned 21 last week. Happy and birthday. I'm, thank you. I'm a rising junior at Harvard College. And I'm also the founder and executive director of Period the Menstrual Movement. Um, and I'm the author of the book Period Power, a Manifesto for the Menstrual Movement. Um, which just came out in October. So do you want a little bit of background on what period is? Yeah, I figured, can we maybe start right there? Like what is period poverty maybe? And how do you discovered the lack of menstrual hygiene products and build from there? To me, for me, period poverty just means when someone can't afford access to period products due to a lack of income or a lack of resources, right? So plain and simple, um, it's just like a lack of access. And the way I stumbled across it was during a time when I was 16, 15, 16 years old, and my family was experiencing housing instability. And during that time, I had conversations with homeless women who were in much worse living situations than I was in and heard their stories of using toilet paper and socks and brown paper grocery bags and cardboard to take care of their periods. So it really sort of, I think hearing the stories of women and uh, these homeless women and how they would take care of their periods catalyzed this maybe unhealthy obsession with periods with me. And I would just Google things about period poverty online, learn that periods are the number one reason why girls in school in developing countries. It's a leading cause of absenteeism for girls here in the US. And then learned about the tampon tax, which was sort of the final push. So I learned that in 2014, the number was 40. Now it's 35. 40 states in the US had a sales tax on period products because they're considered luxury items, right? Meanwhile, products like Rogaine and Viagra were considered essential goods, right? So it was learning that that really propelled me to want to do something. So just started mobilizing with my friends. Um, 
would literally recruit my friends to help put together packages of period products, distribute them around the area, would post on social media about it. Then suddenly we were getting messages within a few months of people from all over the country who wanted to get involved. Fast forward four years, period is now the largest youth-run NGO in women's health in the world. We've addressed over 500,000 periods through product distribution for people in need. Um, and we have over 300 campus chapters at universities and high schools that have joined us in fighting to end period poverty and stigma through service education and policy. And I'd love to break down all three of those, but I have a question for you. Something that I don't know. Are period products being supplied in US schools right now, public schools? No, they're not required to, there's no requirement. Yeah, and I was thinking back to even high school for myself. I remember when the school nurse got like a batch of those like cool, colorful tampons in. That was the only time we got, we the were most, able to get them at school. Yeah, they're usually still in those really thick cardboard boxes. They're the maxi thins. Um, and they're usually in the nurse's office, which is something we're trying to fight because it's not an illness. It shouldn't be treated as an illness. It's just something that's natural. And one of our policy programs is actually working with city council, school government, school administrations um, to pass policy to get period products supplied in restrooms, just like toilet paper. Would that include public spaces? That Yeah. I have, I have to tell you this quick story. I was in a venue, like concert venue, maybe last year. And a woman looked at me and she, she did the whisper, hey, do you have a tampon? Which, yeah. you know, lead, lends itself to the whole stigma. And I didn't. And she was, was at this machine. I'm like, I have 25 cents. This is, to this is for you. And she looked at me and she said, you have a nickel? And I was like, oh, no, I don't. It was a machine that truly would only take a nickel and a dime, 15 cents. Yeah. So not yep. only were they not free, you had to have a nickel and a dime. So her and I went on yeah. this mission looking for the two. And it, was, it just blew my mind. Exactly. But, um, so in terms of the service element, um, can you maybe break down what that part of period is, the product distribution? You touched on it quite a bit. Yeah, so we distribute tampons, pads, menstrual cups, panty, you know, period panties, um, and we distribute them all over the country and sometimes the world um, to, through shelters and nonprofits to give to people in need. And was it your experience that you found that in some of even the homeless shelters, um, there wasn't a secured supply of, of products? Uh, the majority. Okay. The, definitely by far more than the majority, maybe like 99% of the shelters we talked to didn't have them when we started. Yeah. What other, um, there's so many different lenses. I think women in prison, homeless shelters, um, is there people anything in school, people mm -hmm. in school, transgender, non-binary people who have who get their periods, um, people on Native American reservations often struggle with the lack of access to it. Um, it's all over. Yeah. I was going to ask you this later, but I, I've read part, most of the book, which is incredible. And I congratulate oh. you on that. Um, such a big, strong message. I think that came out of it was your, your fight on the menstrual movement is inclusive and applies intersectionality. Why do you think that's so important? Because I don't know if that's the same message coming out of everywhere. Because, because we're, we don't see this as a women's issue because not, first of all, not all women menstruate and not all menstruators are women. Transgender and non-binary people also get their periods, but also we're trying to debunk this, this um, idea that this is a women's issue. This is a human issue because it affects everyone's lives regardless of whether you got your period or not. 
you either know someone, you love someone, or you're here because menstruation exists. And at the same time, I think that what I always try to say is like, if you believe in global development, gender equality, breaking the cycle of poverty, whatever your big global mission is, like periods are a significant key to achieving that because it, it, it's a huge barrier right now for 100% of the population to discover and reach their full potential. You started with fighting for equitable access and then it, I'm assuming, just blossomed into this larger movement of... Yeah. <laughs> it was honestly <laughs> such a, it was like a very thoughtful accident. <laughs> That's incredible. And, it, and so, like you said, part of it is education and breaking down the stigma do you remember, and I think that kind of starts at the beginning of when people first learn about what a period is. Do you remember when you first learned about it? I mean, my mom taught me when I was like five or six. So yeah, you had a much different experience then. Yeah, yeah. I learned about it super early, but it doesn't take away from the fact that when I was in fifth grade, we were separated into boys and girls classrooms. So I've never, I never learned to talk about it with other boys or talk about it with other girls outside my family. Yeah. And so what are some of the how do we take part in that education part and, and that breaking down the stigma? Like, what can we do? We're doing a lot on social media, but we always encourage people to just start conversations in their own circle of friends or talk to their kids about it or talk to their friends about it. Like, whether it be about what periods are, what endometriosis is, or going further into, like, why are we so afraid to talk about something so natural? Can you talk, talk a bit about um, menstruation in the media and maybe how that plays a role and has impacted the idea around it? Yeah, so menstruation media is something that I, first of all, love to study. It's this idea of like, I use that term as basically to say that like media, entertainment, and advertising have played significant roles in shaping the stigma around periods, especially through the commodification of period products and how they were sold. In the beginning, when they were introduced to the market, they were sold in this way of like, you are incapable and dirty and shameful without these period products, like buy these period products to help you hide your period. And now you're seeing a lot more positive messaging going out. But I think a lot of what the media does is it, it I mean, this is the case with everything, right? Especially social issues around identity. But it really starts to play into media being both a, a harmful tool when it makes jokes about periods on screen, but also a really powerful tool when you see periods appear in a very natural, normalized way. I mean, I think you you touched on so many things, but it's um, that periods in the media might be people's first experience before they even have that segregated classroom, yeah. which is why it's yeah. so important. Uh, transitioning a bit to period policy, uh, can you explain, um, I think you maybe have said the number earlier, but how many states have that sales tax on products right now? 35 states still have the tampon tax. Got it. So what are some of the actions you guys are taking and some of the, the battles you're facing now? A lot of it is raising awareness about the fact that the tampon tax exists, and then we're mm -hmm. gearing up to do a full mobilization camp campaign, both on the ground and nationally. Just stay tuned on that period movement on social media. We have some big things coming out around the tampon tax. Awesome. Awesome. I'm curious, when you, your co-founder is Vincent, correct? Yeah. Uh, when you guys were starting period, were there any challenges you faced in starting a business that had to do with menstruation and periods like when you got I mean, sent course, emails like, to people was there every every room that we pitched in laughed when I said the word periods for the first time every like big donor was we still first had to get over the discomfort about talking about periods before we could even tell them about our idea it was always the social part that was the biggest barrier do you but also the fact that we were 16 years old and had no <laughs> professional experience yeah 
Do you have advice for maybe how people can have those conversations with their friends or maybe their parents and maybe it is business people and what, what I y'all? always say talk about it in just the natural normal way that it should be right like this is not something that's you need to whisper this is not something we need to feel ashamed about this is just something that is normal and it basic biological part of our body great well I have to tell you I think we kind of got through my big question. <laughs> You're incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah. Was there anything I didn't ask that you want to talk about? I would just say, if you want to learn more, get involved, just go to period.org and you can find me at Nadia Okamoto, N-A-D-Y-A-O-K-A-M-O-T-O on social media or follow at period movement on social media. Awesome. Okay. I have one more quick question for you. Yes. So I was curious how to ask you about your age and how, so I, I watched the makers talk that you yeah. and Vincent did, and it was so fierce and so passionate. And my experience uh, in the workplace, I've always been the youngest one. And I felt so odd to me every time someone, it was like that backwards compliment of like, oh, you're, you're this age. Like, how are you here? How have you handled that? And like, how do you, how does it affect you? I mean, I get asked that every day. I also yeah. always get asked, oh, do you even sleep, right? Because people assume that, like, because I'm successful, like, I, I'm really bad at self-care, which I'm, I'm getting better at, to be honest. But I think what I always say is I always just try to accept it as a compliment, right? Like, because I think that they mean it as sort of a backhanded compliment. And I always, my mom always told me just be like, yeah, thank you so much. I worked really hard to get here, you know? Like, there's a lot of work and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that went into me being here at a young age. So thank you so much. And let me know how we can partner. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Of course. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Well, V-Word listeners, you know all of us here at the V-Word love tackling and reclaiming those taboo topics, hence the name of the show, Vagina, Vagina, Vagina. So we are thrilled to spread the word about National Period Day, and we hope you show up at your local rally. Saturday's rallies, though, are just the beginning to a year-long campaign Period will be hosting nationally. Some of the policy demands, as Nadia mentioned, include demanding freely accessible period products in schools, shelters, and prisons, and to eliminate the tampon tax in the remaining 35 states. So to find info on the period rally in your state, head to period.org slash national period day. You can also keep up with all things period by following Nadia on Instagram at Nadia Okamoto. Thanks for listening. If you've liked this episode of The V Word, please visit us at www.vwordpod.com and listen, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at vwordpod. This podcast was written and produced by the V Word team, Dr. Jennifer Conti, Dr. Erica Cahill, and Bethany Bonilla. Thanks for listening.